Well, hockey is back. NHL season starts tonight. Leafs get the new season underway tomorrow night with a game against the Canadians. And if I recall, that is the same team that ended their season last year. But we're not going to talk about that. Hockey writer Mike Comito has got a brand new book out. Hockey 365, the second period. More daily stories from the ice. And Mike joins us now here on Global News Radio. Mike, how are you? Doing well, Jeff, and yourself? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Uh, First off, let me ask you about the Leafs. How are they looking this season? We understand they're going to start the season without Austin Matthews. Yeah, and actually, I think as we're speaking, I saw a report earlier today that said that Mitch Marner left practice, I think, after a collision with Wayne Simmons, which is obviously not, I think, the news that Leaf fans would want to hear on the eve of the season opener. So hopefully... Um, it's not serious because obviously with, with Austin Matthews scheduled to be out at least the first three games, uh, we're going to need that scoring crump throughout the lineup. So hopefully uh, just something minor and, and Mitch will be on the ice tomorrow night. Yeah, fingers crossed. But it uh, looks like uh, things are uh, really looking up to start the season then. Seems like uh, Leafs uh, fans and the uh, team's luck has really changed since last season. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think this is uh, the, the ride that all Leafs fans go on every year. And so I think I'm sure we wouldn't have it any other way, except maybe if there was a few more wins uh, in the spring and summer months. But uh, but otherwise, it's a long season. So these things are going to happen. You know, you're going to have to battle injuries throughout the year. So, I mean, you might as well kind of get it over with at the beginning and, and see how the team kind of weathers the storm. Yeah, Mike, is there one player, one addition to the Leafs that fans should have their eye on? Uh, there's been uh, some roster moves and some change since uh, they left in the first round last year. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really like Nick Ritchie uh, in bringing him aboard. I think, obviously, he's played well um, in Boston after kind of finding a stride there from, from Anaheim. And so I think that he'll be a nice a nice addition to the team. Again, a big body player who can also put the puck in the back of the net. So, um, you know, he's been one player I've been looking at in the preseason, but certainly I think the regular season is a whole different animal. So hopefully, you know, he can continue to light the lamp uh, and help the team. All right, what do you make of the Seattle Kraken? They debut this season. As a matter of fact, they'll play the Vegas Golden Knights tonight, the Elast expansion team. Do you think the Kraken, are they going to be competitive right from the start, uh, much like the Golden Knights were? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I think if we look back you know, on that expansion in 2017, I don't think anybody really thought that Vegas was going to go on the run that they did. I think after the expansion draft, um, I think there were a lot of questions about how competitive this team would actually be. I know that myself at the time thought that they weren't even going to make the playoffs, let alone go on that, you know, run all the way to the Stanley Cup final. So I think when you look at Seattle, I think, you know, th- there's still some of those questions. I think certainly from you know, the goaltending position outwards, they've got some really strong, you know, pieces in net and on defense. I think the question marks are, do they have enough offensive uh, firepower? Um, but, but certainly I think that, you know, depending on how all those positions kind of click together and all those units work together, um, you know, they could be com- competitive. I think that obviously being in the Pacific Division, they have an advantage there. It's one of the weakest divisions in the league. So, I mean, if, they're, if they were to qualify for the playoffs in their first season, uh, there's no better place to be than, than, a, in, than in the Pacific. Okay. Do you think there is a team this season that could completely surprise us? Is there a team maybe you and the rest of us should be keeping our uh, eyes on that's, uh, again, going to uh, maybe just shock or surprise us all? Um, I don't know about if I have any team in that category, but I mean, I think the team that I'm keeping my eye on this season is Colorado. I think they've been pretty close over the last couple of years of of trying to get over that hump in the playoffs. Um, I think certainly they probably one of the, you know, the top teams that are in contention for the Stanley cup this year, in addition to Vegas. Um, So, I mean, I think I'm looking at Colorado. Um, I think a team that does, you know, I think now that they've got some of the pieces sorted out, Minnesota is another team that I'm, I think could surprise as well. I think with the, you know, with the recent signing of, of getting Kirill, uh, Kirill Kaprizov uh, locked up. 
uh, that obviously bolsters their chances of, uh, of going on a run. Joined on the line by writer Mike Camito. He's got a brand new book out as we're talking the start of the NHL season, Hockey 365, the second period. And for those that don't know, tell us a bit about the book, what it's all about, Mike. Yeah, so Hockey 365, uh, the second period, is the second volume in a book series on Dunder Press. It's 365 short hockey history stories, one for every day of the year. I say Hockey 365, but I always am quick to correct myself because there are 366 stories in there. We had to account uh, for leap years, so you will have that extra February 29th story. Um, but that's essentially what it is. It's, uh, you know, a day-by-day, uh, you know, recounting of, of notable moments in hockey history uh, from, you know, largely from the NHL's past, but also from international games, uh, games in women's uh, hockey, uh, and then also a couple, you know, more off-the-wall moments that have happened, uh, you know, throughout the, throughout the years. Yeah, is there a particular date that's harder than the others to get a hockey fact? Like, I'm guessing December 14th is probably relatively uh, easy. It's right in the heart of the regular uh, season. But what about, like, a, I don't know, July 19th? Is it really tough to find a hockey fact for that day? Well, I would say July 19th is also my wedding anniversary, so I always have <laughs> eye closely on that date in the calendar. But I was going to say that, you know, the offseason isn't too bad. Obviously, I think the material dries up in the dog days of summer when you only have so many you know, signings or trades, but I, d- I definitely do appreciate those days because it allows you, I think, to take a step back and maybe look at it from a different lens because obviously you're focusing on a notable goal or a milestone on the ice. You're kind of constrained with what the story is going to include, but at least in the summertime, if you're talking about a signing, you have the benefit of hindsight as a historian to be able to kind of look forward from that date. Did the signing work out for the team? Did the trade work out for the player? Um, and you can kind of set the stage that way. To be honest, I think what's harder than the off-season moments is is actually around uh, the Christmas holidays because you know the NHL used to play games on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day up until the early 1970s, but since then uh, they give the players Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off, unlike some other leagues, right? And so um, you know for the first two volumes, it hasn't been a problem because there's been a number of you know games that have fallen on those days over the years among various teams. Uh, but I think moving forward, if the series expands, um, you, you might start to run out of material on those days because obviously not everybody's <laughs> playing every Christmas, even Christmas uh, day. But uh, but I think those are those are a little few and far between, just given the fact that there's been 40 years or so where we haven't had any games played on either of those days. Sure. Uh, what is your favorite or one of your favorite stories from this edition? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I have a, a soft spot for all of them, but I think one of the ones that stuck out for me uh, just writing this book that I really enjoyed was um, there was a moment on uh, when Ariana Grande, who was at the time five years old, went to a Florida Panthers game uh, in October of 1998, and it was the Panthers were in their brand-new arena in Sunrise. They were playing the first game of the season, uh, and she got hit by a puck uh, that game. And then later that game, her parents had uh, you know entered an auction for her to w- ride on the Zamboni. They ended up winning the auction. She wrote, she wrote on the Zamboni. Uh, there's this great photo you can find online quite easily of Ariana Grande writing the Zamboni as a five-year-old. But the best part about that story was that that wasn't even the first time that she'd been hit uh, by a puck at a Florida Panthers game. The season before that, she'd gone to a game, and uh, one of the Panthers defensemen had deflected the puck off the glass and it hit her in the stands. And so, again, in a span of two years, uh, this, this, this tiny fan who would grow up to be one of the biggest pop stars in the world I had been hit twice by pucks at two separate Panthers games, which obviously the odds of getting hit by a puck in an NHL game are, are pretty astronomical. So for her to get hit twice uh, just within that, that short time frame is pretty remarkable. I had a lot of fun writing that story because I tried to sandwich in as many Ariana Grande song titles into that story that I included <laughs> in the book. So it's, uh, 
if, if that story appears clunkier than the others, there's a reason for that. It's because I tried my best to, to, uh, to cram as many song titles in there as I could. I love it. And not only is this book entertaining, it's also educational because I'm learning things right now. For example, never mind even sitting next to, I don't even want to be in the same section as Ariana Grande at a hockey game, I think now. <laughs> yeah, no, I think the la- I think she she sang it the she sang the Panthers anthem three years after getting hit by the puck the second time. But yes, I think it's probably advisable that if you're at a hockey game with Ariana Grande, uh, you give her a wide berth. Yeah. <laughs> hey, before I let you go, Mike uh, Wayne Gretzky, always my favorite player, always will be my favorite player. Do you have a favorite '99 uh, story, a favorite Gretzky story that comes to mind? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's obviously quite a few Gretzky stories uh, in this book. I think for me. You know, one of the ones that sticks out to me is is just obviously, um, you know, in his because I think now, especially with Ovechkin trying to go down his uh, goal scoring record, I think when he passed Gordy Howe for the all time goal scoring record, I included that story in the book. Uh, also, just because there's a neat uh, story in there that I think is even more poignant now with uh, with Walter Gretzky's passing last year. Uh, but I recall, you know, talking to Wayne about the story a couple of years ago when I originally did a piece for the Kings. You know, he talked about how he was trying to get the record wrapped up as quick as he can because his parents were traveling with him and his father had forgot his medication at home uh, that he was taking to treat uh, an aneurysm that he had recently. And so, you know, I think in true Gretzky fashion, in an effort to get his parents home, who had obviously, you know, supported him throughout his career since he was a little kid, um, he, he got the record done uh, against Vancouver and then his dad was able to get home. Uh, but I think certainly just, you know, the whole you know, the just getting caught up in the moment of, of the tour of, of people who were kind of going from game to game with him as he, he as he got closer and closer to the record, I think is really special. And I think hopefully that if everything goes well with Alexander Ovechkin in the next, you know, few years, uh, we'll see that similar type of, uh, you know, cavalcade kind of coming up behind him as he mm-hmm. gets closer and closer to Gretzky's 894. Yeah, you bet. Just a couple of uh, the great stories you will uh, find in Hockey uh, 365. It's such a, a great and fun read for uh, hockey fans. Mike, really appreciate the time. As always, good to catch up with you and enjoy the season that starts tonight. Yeah, you too, Jeff. Thanks a lot. You bet. Mike Camito, again, his book is Hockey 365, The Second Period, More Daily Stories from the Ice. It is available now. And we're back after this on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.